When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk for another Market Down Monday. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Stephen Means, Andrew Gillis under the weather, not participating today, but we are down to just a couple of Market Down Mondays before Ohio State starts its 2023 football season. And as we always do, we conclude Market Down Monday, come down the stretch here with a couple of national perspectives and how Ohio State is going to fit into that next week. We'll be doing our season predictions for the college football playoff, which is essentially a conversation about can Ohio State win the national championship and will Ohio State win the national championship? But today we're talking about individual talents and we're talking about the Heisman Trophy. Will Ohio State have a Heisman Trophy finalist in 2023? I think it's a little bit harder to say, will they have a champion, but will they have a finalist is... Uh, uh, I think a more broad conversation because it tells you a little bit about uh, the the underlying talent, whether you win it or not, sometimes has a lot to do with factors that are out of a team's or a player's control. But I like to bring this up, Stephen, and I wish Andrew were here because as we're sort of folding him into things, I like to pose questions to him that he may not have the full perspective on, but I brought this up last year between Troy Smith winning the Heisman trophy in 2006 and Dwayne Haskins finishing third in 2018. How many top four Heisman Trophy finishes did Ohio State have? Do you remember the answer to that question? I think it was two, I think. No. Yeah, I'm sticking with two. It's zero. They had zero top four finishes from 2007 through 2017. They went a decade. The highest finishes were um, JT Barrett in 2014 was fifth, and Braxton Miller in 2012 Mm. was fifth. I don't remember off the top of my head if those guys got to go to New York. Sometimes they did take bigger groups. But that is a long, long drought. And although in, in college football history, I don't think it's a long drought. It just seems like a long drought when you look back on it because Ohio State now is so prolific at getting players to New York as Heisman Trophy finalists. In 2018, Dwayne Haskins was third. 2019, Justin Fields was fourth, and Chase Young, I'm sorry, Justin Fields was third, and Chase Young was fourth. Both were in New York as finalists. J.K. Dobbins was even sixth that year, just a loaded roster of Ohio State candidates. 2020, Fields dropped all the way to seventh, but for half of that year, it looked like he was going to run away with it. And then C.J. Stroud finishing fourth and third the last two years. So, Four of the last five years, Ohio State has sent a finalist to New York. And do you think that, and, and, and all except Chase Young have been quarterbacks, so there's been at least one quarterback for the last five years. Do you feel like that is an identity that Ohio State needs to sustain? Is it such a part of what it does now 
developing the quarterback position, that straying from that for any multiple year, back-to-back years, that sort of thing, um, does it, is it a problem for Ohio State if that starts to happen? Well, Ryan Day would say yes, because anytime we talk to him about quarterbacks, it's a, Ohio State's quarterback needs to be a Heisman Trophy finalist and a first-round draft pick. So that's the floor, is you're, one, you're a day-one draft pick, and you're one of the four people who goes to New York. That's your floor. So, yes, I do think it, that needs to be – now, whether you actually get to New York can sometimes come down to, you know, how many other people are involved. But yeah. you need – I think the better way to put it is you need to be in consideration to be going to New York and be a first-day draft pick going forward if you're going to play quarterback at Ohio State. That's the standard, and that's why, that, that's why we keep framing this quarterback battle between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown the way they do, where we both talked and written about the idea of they're not chasing the starting job, they're chasing a standard. Yeah, I think that's a, a definitely a good way to put it. I think it's more about having a Heisman Trophy caliber performance than it is yes. whether you end up in New York or not, because again, that's out of your control sometimes. I would say, like, 2021, I think C.J. Stroud was better than Kenny Pickett, but Kenny Pickett finishes mm-hmm. higher in the voting, you know, those sorts of things. Like you can't, it, it's a subjective thing at the end of the day, but I think just being in the ballpark is the important part, being a legitimate contender. I want to look back real quick because we always do this on Market Down Monday when we have things like this. Our 2022 votes. So Caleb Williams from USC won the Heisman Trophy last year. Only one of us picked him to be in the top three. That was me. Um, Max Duggan from TCU finished second. None of us picked him. CJ Stroud, all three of us, and I'm including Doug here uh, from when he was still on the pod last year. Uh, all three of us had CJ Stroud in our top three. You picked CJ Stroud to win. I had him second. Doug had him third. But that was the one that we were the most correct on of, of all of the people that we were picking. And Stetson Bennett from Georgia finished fourth, and none of us picked Stetson Bennett, even though it gave Doug one more opportunity to do his voice, uh, his impression, which I would have thought would have maybe pushed him into the top three just for that alone. Uh, Doug and I picked Will Anderson from Alabama, the outside linebacker, to win, and Steven had him second, and he did not go to New York as a finalist. I think he finished like sixth or seventh in the voting. The one that also stands out, I think Doug had Jackson Smith and Jigba second on his ballot, and it's just, again, one of those sobering reminders of like what might have been last year. What we were thinking of the Ohio State season as it was on the precipice last year and what it actually turned out to be just from that one absence um, is, a very, is very different. And it, it's one thing that I kind of had in my mind, and I'm not like predicting injuries, obviously. It's just one of those things that is unpredictable, and it's inevitably going to happen in sports in some capacity. And it's a reminder as you're trying to make these predictions that who knows what is about to unfold and, and how th- there could be some real left turns waiting for Ohio State and every other team on this list uh, as the season's about to get started. I'm trying to figure out, I think this is a pile we do one day maybe next offseason, about the biggest what-ifs in Ohio State history. And I think he and Nick Bosa are two of the biggest what-ifs because Ohio State's defense stunk, but it probably stinks a little bit less if you have the now NFL Defensive Player of the Year not hurt three games into the season, you know? Uh, probably, probably. You know, we'll probably. see. And then also, Ohio State's offense was still good, and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Booker emerged. But – just imagining that plus a healthy Travion Henderson and a healthy Jackson Smith, the Jigba. I don't know if it's Heisman level for him, but it definitely creates a different picture when you're walking into the Georgia game, especially on that last snap. 
when it's CJ Stroud and everybody we thought were his best weapons are sitting on the sideline. I, I think the Georgia game is the one that makes it the biggest what if, actually. I don't the, the season doesn't matter, and it's why we kept um following this the way we did all season, because if mm-hmm. they were able to get him back at all, and don't who cares if he can play against Iowa? Like <laughs> it did that didn't matter right. as much. I think there were all those they were all games they were going to win anyway, except obviously they lost to Michigan, and I don't know if his presence would have won the Michigan game. But when Marvin Harrison Jr. then has to come out against Georgia, that's when you miss Jackson Smith and Jigba, and that will always make it the, the big water. If you're right, that probably would make a good offseason pod. So before we mark it down, we're going to mark it down at the end, as we always do. We're going to talk about, though, the candidacy for some various Ohio State players. We're going to start with the quarterbacks. As we sit here recording this on Friday afternoon, August 18th, Ohio State has not had its second preseason scrimmage, has not named a starting quarterback between Tom McCord and Devin Brown. That battle continues. It's probably happening, assuming they're practicing as we speak. It's going to definitely be happening Saturday at that scrimmage. We'll see if and when Ryan Day decides to name one in the coming week. We Our antenna are certainly up as, as that happening soon. But I wanted to talk just in general, because I don't know that my thoughts on whether Ohio State has a finalist is dependent on which quarterback wins the battle. How do you know? Did that, how did you consider that before we reveal who we marked down did you think of that the same way yeah I don't think it matters which quarterback it is and it's because of how I viewed one it's how I picked my winner but also how I decided whether an Ohio State quarterback was going to get there and I just it doesn't matter who the quarterback is for them to get there in my opinion with this offense right well and that's going to be my other point there's there's this offense, in terms of the talent that is here to yes. take advantage of, there's also this offense in terms of the system that Ryan Day has in place. And you're talking about, going back to 2018, Dwayne Haskins, pretty drastic change stylistically from him to Justin Fields. And then a change from Justin Fields to C.J. Stroud. And I think we anticipate some stylistic change from C.J. Stroud to either Brown or McCord this coming season. Yet all those players keep ending up in, in New York as Heisman Trophy finalists. So how much when we pick an Ohio State, you know, the 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 success that they've had getting players to New York, do you think it has been more dependent on finding and developing the quarterback talent? Or has it been more dependent on Ryan Day having a system that is just so uh, ripe to have success for the quarterbacks? I want to answer that delicately because I don't want to make it seem like we're devaluing the talent of the quarterback. I think the system and the talent around the quarterback is good enough to get the quarterback to New York. I think it's then on the quarterback to decide whether or not he wins it. I think that's a good way to put it. I think the system and the supporting cast create a very high floor. Yes. And I think also the fact that in the Big Ten, you're typically not in danger of losing three games and having your mm-hmm. season like spiral in some way. You're always in the playoff conversation until very late in the season, which helps you stay in the Heisman Trophy consideration. So do the factors exist for Ohio State's quarterback to get to New York in 2023? And I picked four factors, and I wanted us to see. Do we think, yes or no, does... Does that factor exist for this Ohio State quarterback, whichever one it ends up being? Number one is talent. And as we already said, we don't see a major difference talent-wise as to whether Kyle McCord or Devin Brown would 
would there be a, a major separation between the two in terms of production, I guess? Do you think whichever quarterback it is, is the talent there to be a Heisman Trophy finalist in 2023? Yeah, you're talking about a former five-star recruit and you're talking about a former top 60 recruit. That's that's talent. So, yes. I think I agree. As this has drawn, dragged on a little bit longer, we'll talk about this a little bit later, I guess, when we mark it down. But now, I guess, is a good, is a good time as any to, to bring it up. I, I'm not getting the same vibe at this point that I did with even C.J. Stroud in 2021. And I'm trying to figure out whether that is legitimately because neither of these quarterbacks is quite there yet, or if it's because they're both there and there just isn't enough separation between the two to make that final decision. And one is a good thing as far as their Heisman candidacy and one is not. So that's, as I've tried to assess the Brown McCord outcome and how it would relate to a job like or an award like this, that's kind of been on my mind. But I think at the end of the day, it's the we we sometimes it's 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 very hard to see something in practice and project how that equates to plays that Justin Fields and CJ Stroud made against opposing defenses early in their career. It that is still you try to do it, but it's a hard jump to make. And I think sometimes in my own brain, I've probably been a little too overly critical because the practice uh, environment does not necessarily equate itself to like being able to pick apart a talented defense. Does that make sense? Yeah, but, but on top of that, it's like for what we're talking about with the Heisman, I don't know if that's going to show up in week one anyway when they play. Because that's so much of the we talk about Heisman moments so much, and C.J. Stroud's Heisman moments were like the Michigan State game and just like doing what he normally does. We don't know if that's going to be the case with either Devin Brown or Kyle McCord. Their Heisman moments might look like Caleb Williams's, where he does something freaky and then does the Heisman post right after that. So that's what makes it. it and you're not going to see that in practice because that's not what Ryan Day's looking for in practice. He's not looking for the cool moment. He's looking for consistent moments here goes that word again that c word that you wrote about so it's i don't know i'm not expecting them to look like a heisman trophy winner against indiana am i maybe or even a heisman trophy candidate against indiana now am i expecting that to start showing up against wisconsin and penn state probably yeah to an extent whatever that looks like but the first three weeks of the season they can be average at best and this offense probably puts up 40 points because of who the opponents are. So I, I don't, I don't, it, it's almost a CJ Stroud thing where I, yes, CJ Stroud was clearly ahead in that battle and whatnot, but also the first three weeks didn't tell us he was going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist at the end of the year. It wasn't until he got on this, it wasn't until he got healthy for starters, but also yeah. it wasn't until he got on a stage where it was required of him to answer the question of, can you realistically win the Heisman Trophy or not? Did we find that out? And that's a top five opponent week 11 of the season where he goes bananas. That's true, but I would say the the critical stretch was coming off the injury when he had like four or five weeks where yeah. he really got into a groove and it wasn't against the meat of the schedule. It was Big Ten opponents, but it was the Rutgerses and, and whatnot. And I thought that was where he really built his, he, he laid the foundation there. So this schedule is a little bit different because you the challenge isn't as great right off the bat. And 
you get to sort of settle into things a little bit, whichever of these two quarterbacks it is, and then maybe make a big early statement against Notre Dame in, in week four in a game that's going to have a lot of attention. Uh, you know, Notre Dame's ranked 13 to start the year. I think there's a lot of variance out there in estimations of how good Notre Dame really is. But I think that game, just from an attention standpoint, the fact that it's on the road is is a chance to make a statement. We'll come back to that in a second. But offensive system, we actually already answered this. We both said yes, that the offensive system here is tailor-made for a quarterback to get to, to New York. I don't think there's really any question about that. So let's talk about the schedule. I almost didn't put this down as a factor because it, it in some ways it cancels itself out a little bit in that on the one hand, uh, the strong schedule gives you a chance to make those statements and do voters at the end of the year look back and say, these two guys were close, but this guy had to do it against a tougher schedule. I, I don't know if that happens. And the second thing is the more chances you have to lose, the chances of you losing increase, which makes your chances of getting to New York a little worse, mm-hmm. just because if it's against a guy who went 10 and or 11 and one and a guy who went nine and two or nine and three, the 11 and one guy usually has the edge unless the stats are, are very different. But what I came back to, and the reason I'm going to vote yes on schedule is this quarterback can kind of play the elimination game a little bit with some other candidates. And that includes Sam Hartman at Notre Dame. That includes Braylon Allen at Wisconsin. That includes Drew Allar at Penn State, maybe. Certainly includes J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. And some of those guys are would now be considered pretty fringe candidates. But the fact that you get to go head-to-head and sort of knock off, especially in those quarterback conversations, you get to take somebody else out of the running. If you can run the table there, I think that at the end of the day would make this schedule favorable for getting a quarterback to New York. It's almost similar to the Michigan State game again, where Kenneth Walker came into that game as a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate, especially coming off that Michigan win. And then Ohio State's offense went so bananas that Michigan State couldn't use him. So his entire case went out the window. I see where you're coming from. I went a different route with this. I think Ohio State's schedule consistently keeps the eyes on the quarterback in games that matter. And that Heisman voters are dumb. That's just, that's like a Buckeye talk slogan slogan at this point. Heisman voters are dumb. They vote off of sometimes what they see and what looks shiny. And nothing looks shinier than if Kyle McCord or Devin Brown goes into Notre Dame and they have a fireworks show. Nothing looks shinier than Penn State being a top 10 team still, maybe top five by the time we get to that game. And it's maybe a prime time game and they have a fireworks show or they go to Wisconsin and it's like, oh, wait, Luke Fickle has Luke Fickle pulls a. A, a Mel Tucker 2021 and has Wisconsin somehow really, really good in year one. Well, it was technically year two for Mel Tucker, but you're one of a full regular situation. And we we're like, whoa, is Wisconsin good? And then Kyle McCord or Devin Brown says, nope. And then you close it out with Michigan and you do the same. That's that's it's it's almost every other week. The way this plant works out is that the eyes are going to be on Ohio State in games that matter when you're talking about the Heisman Trophy, especially if they're close at the end. And the quarterback has to do something to help them win those games. I, I think something as, as variable as having primetime games can maybe be a factor here. Like, I, it's funny you said that. Like, I, a lot of times when the Heisman Trophy voting and things like that, I am reminded of the Tommy Lee Jones character quote from Men in Black, where he says, oh, people are, somebody's like, oh, people are smart. And he's like, well, a person is smart. Like, a person can, like, use reason mm-hmm. and 
and facts and deduce things, but people in mass are are unpredictable and yep. and and crazy and and <laughs> bewildered and that so I think kind of the same thing applies to the I I don't it's not that I distrust every single Heisman Trophy voter, but the full voting block I'm very skeptical of. Uh, but they're going to play Wisconsin. It sounds like in prime time. There's some things out there that on as far as the schedule that are in those times that are not quite confirmed yet. There's some reports mm-hmm. out there from Brett McMurphy and stuff. Um, so it sounds like that might be a primetime game. Uh, we know the Michigan game will be the most watched game in football this year, probably. Um, you're right about if Penn State ends up being a – it's either going to be a night game or it's going to be big noon, right? Yep. So it, it's it's there's going to be some opportunities to be on a big stage, bigger than some of the guys from, let's say, the ACC. They're going to be candidates, I think, that, or certainly – even the Pac-12, where you sometimes are playing, you know, very late at night, and maybe the East Coast isn't watching. So, I, you, so you're also voting yes on schedule. Mm-hmm. And the last one, so that's three, three yeses and three for three. And then my last factor was narrative, which is obviously a, a much broader topic and gets a little wonky because uh, you can take it in so many different directions. But the ways that I think the narrative would play in here is where his arrival kind of lifts the season. And I think that's similar to CJ Stroud in 2021, where, as I said, you know, they were able to get through his injury and the related struggles to, if you want to use that word and get to a point where now he's healthy and locked in and starts to mm-hmm. build something. And the team seems to be kind of coming along with him. So I think a similar thing could happen here. You, you have success in the first three weeks if you beat Notre Dame on the road, now all of a sudden you got people's attention. And especially if it's happening with good quarterback performances, I think that's the thing. The other big part of the narrative, though, is if he's the guy that goes into Michigan and wins that game. Because that's the that's the crunch time. And it's it's as far as the Heisman Trophy candidacy for an Ohio State quarterback in 2023, I think it might just be pretty much the whole dang thing. Because yep. you've got to go into Michigan and win to get to the Big Ten Championship game. If you don't play in the Big Ten Championship game, I think it's very tough to win it. I mean, it's impossible to win it. And I think it might be very difficult for either of the quarterbacks this year to even maybe be a finalist if you're not on that stage. And if if that narrative is still out there that Ohio State can't beat Michigan, because it might be that you're putting J.J. McCarthy in that spot instead of the Ohio State quarterback. Yeah, that was, they're, you're not winning the highest number if you don't beat Michigan. Especially, that's the narrative, almost, the right. whole year. It, it's not about like CJ's was like, oh, it started out rocky and then he figured it out and now he might be one of the best players in college football. That can't be your narrative. The narrative this year has to be Ohio State has been dominant all season long. Dominant. But the Michigan game. But the Michigan game. But the Michigan game. I, that, that, that's that's got, why that's, yeah, that's that's why CJ's only that. a finalist the last two years instead yeah, of a winner either yeah. the last two years. Literally, like it's it's gonna come. It, I think that's where we are with the Ohio State Michigan rivalry now, where it, it's it's the one two oh six matchup, but it's every year, and it doesn't have to necessarily be one two, but it's probably a top five matchup given what Michigan's schedule is and what Ohio State is offensively. Where it's like Ohio State looks awesome on offense, it looks awesome on defense. We'll see about the kicker. Michigan's been blowing out teams that don't matter, and they're also not losing big games anymore. And both of those teams are eleven and zero, or ten and one at best. But it's last week in November is all that matters, and I think that's where the narrative is with this starter, especially 
because if it's Kyle McCord, I think even more because he spent the past two years watching from the sidelines. So Ohio State's lost to Michigan, and it's like CJ was awesome, but he couldn't beat Michigan. Kyle had to watch that, and now he's here to save Ohio State by being the guy who finally writes the rivalry once again and puts Ohio State back on track to eventually tie up the all-time record. By the way, we're going to do the same factors, those same four factors for uh, at least one other candidate for Ohio State. So if you're listening to this and screaming at us that this doesn't just apply to the quarterback, we know. We're coming back to that. But So you're also yes vote on narrative? Yeah. So that's four for four. We think that those criteria, do you have, is there anything else that you think of would be like a crucial criteria for getting an Ohio State quarterback? I almost think that it's, it's good here. Let's, we'll come back to that in a second. You can answer that in a second. But the other thing, I didn't put this down as a factor, but Kyle McCord right now is by the, um, by Vegas insider, they do kind of a consensus of the Heisman odds. He's 13th there right now. One spot Mm -hmm. behind Marvin Harrison Jr. Devin Brown is like 18th. and it's I think an enviable place to be to be at a place that pumps out Heisman Trophy finalists, but also not be not have that favorite thing hanging around your neck yeah. at this point. And also not even like you're not you're not on the radar. Like they take four finalists to New York. They could take twelve people to New York right now and you would not be one of them by the by the voting odds out there right now by the, the consensus of the, the sports books. So I think that's another small thing. And that kind of factors into narrative too, that you get, there's a little bit of underdog story. People love underdog stories. It's a thing that mm-hmm. works against anybody who's already won the award this year, which we'll probably bring up as we're deciding whether Kay Williams is one of our top three later at the end of this episode, but it definitely works in this quarterback's favor. I think to not be on the radar yet because the expectations are there that people, people recognize the talent. They're just not assuming that they're going to have this monster year already. I think part of it is because Ryan day hasn't officially announced the starter because there was probably uh, a point where Kyle, yeah. where Kyle McCoy was in the top 10 and Devin Brown was nowhere to be found. But as this has yeah. gone on and it's like, hmm, maybe Devin Brown can win this battle. I do wonder if whoever wins this battle, the moment Ryan day, announces it we'll see over the next couple of days that ohio state's quarterbacks start creeping up because now you can put your money behind one guy instead of trying to split your vote there to answer your other question i think that's it i don't get caught up in the moment thing i think it's cool it makes a good youtube highlight but moment can mean something totally different for everybody i don't think it has to be what caleb williams was i think you if you're just dominant every single like Devontae, I don't remember Devontae Smith really having a Heisman moment. He was just dominant the entire season. I think that's a fair yeah. – I think it's okay to just be – if you're just so dominant that it's undeniable, I don't think you have to have this one highlight that a, a sports announcer was calling that made everybody go, whoa, because they can just look at your box score every week. I think at those non-quarterback positions, you do have to have something that's a little bit electric about you. It can't just be that you accumulate – things i think you need to and that definitely applied to smith like there were definitely you know those twitter things were popping out every week of something he did or, or often enough that it kind of put him on the radar but i think you're also right that like how about like joe burrow and it's look at 2019 like you could maybe argue that between like the way that michigan game went um for justin fields and mm-hmm. some other things like like he had real Heisman moments that year. Yep. It doesn't matter if somebody's running away with the award and hiding. 
And that's so that's the other thing. I mean, again, some of this is is out of control. I will say I'm never going to suggest that anyone ever bet money on anything. If you have money that should be that you want to gamble, make sure that you have first like maximized all of your other investment opportunities. <laughs> like there are definitely <laughs> smarter ways to try to get a return on money. Uh, uh, less volatile. However, if you've done all that, if you're if your 401k and your Roth IRA and everything else is maxed out and you've got money that you're like it's just for entertainment, I don't know, like the common cord like the the draft the uh the odds that the Vegas insider was showing were at different sites between like plus 2000 to plus 2800 and for Devin Brown it's up to like plus 4000. So it it's like 4 to 1 return if he wins it. You have to win it. I'm just saying, if you've got 10 bucks that you aren't possibly going to use anywhere else or or whatever amount of money that is for you, I'm just putting that information out there. Not encouraging you to do it, just telling you it's available. And that'll wrap up the quarterback talk. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk about the guy who a lot of people, including those Vegas odds, say is Ohio State's best Heisman Trophy candidate right now. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. Marvin Harrison Jr. is 12th in those Heisman Trophy odds that I mentioned before. The odds range from plus 1,800 to all the way up to plus 3,000 on FanDuel, which is, again, that's interesting. And do you think that being 12th right now, that consensus, that spot on the on the list, and it's 11 quarterbacks ahead of him, is that too high or too low? I think right now it's perfect because of what we mentioned we mentioned before with the quarterback situation. I do think if it stays there, if he's still their highest, their their, their best chance at uh, the most favorited, I guess, Ohio State player to win it, after we find out who the quarterback is, I'll say it's too high. I think I agree. I think it's probably right. I think it's probably right. I think it's because receivers are so unlikely to win this award. <laughs> and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I think it's probably the right numbers for somebody to make that speculation. And I, you'd have to look back historically to see at what point, how many receivers preseason have been this high in the odds in recent years. It's become such a quarterback award that it's just not where people assume that this winner is going to come from. I mean, and that's not just a recent trend. Historically, like receivers have trouble winning this award, obviously. do So let's do those four factors again as they relate to Marvin Harrison Jr. Do the factors exist for him to get to New York? Number one, talent. Do you think Marvin Harrison Jr. is talented enough to be a Heisman Trophy finalist? I think he's okay. He's decent. Nothing too <laughs> special. I've seen it before. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's talented enough. <laughs> By the way, so I'm going to mention this right now um, because I, I did solicit, uh, I did do a... Um, a poll here, which I'll give the results for as we get into the third segment. But I asked people, hey, go ahead and send your feedback too. And someone from the 616 said, uh, among I got, one of the questions was, why won't Marvin Harrison get to New York? And mm. one of the answers somebody gave was, why wasn't, quote, the hype slash media attention making him seem bigger than reality an option? I know you guys think he's a Greek god, but not everyone thinks that. Which is maybe fair. It, like, has the, has the hype gone too far on Marvin Harrison Jr. that uh, he is a very productive receiver and he will be a high NFL draft pick. Is he transforming the game of college football, which is maybe how it's hitting some people's ears? 
I suppose that's not true, but I think we would both vote yes, that the talent is there. And I would argue that it's maybe the least important thing for deciding whether a receiver is actually going to make it to New York as a finalist, because uh, there's so many other factors here, including number two, offensive system. And I think I might vote no here. I am voting no on offensive system. And it's because this offensive system is not built to prop up any one player or any one receiver even. And I know that Jackson Pendigba had this really productive year in 2021, but that came as a byproduct of a very prolific year for the whole offense. And that same thing happened last year. Even when you took out uh, took out Jackson Smith and Jigba, then you both had Marvin Anderson Jr. and Emeka Buka stepping up and having very productive years. And I, assuming health, I don't think it, it, I wouldn't vote this based on, I mean, you can go in a lot of directions like, oh, if someone gets hurt, maybe that means more targets for him. But I, I really think it's like you have to, I think of this in terms of all things being equal, everyone being healthy. I think the fact that this offense is going to, A, I think probably run the ball a lot this year if it has its druthers. And number two, you've got Emeka Buka, you've got Julian Fleming, you've got a little bit of Cade Stover. I don't think that this offensive system is set up for Marvin Harrison Jr. to have the kind of insane receiving numbers that it would maybe take to to win the award, certainly, and maybe not even to be a finalist. I don't think this offense is set up for the best receiver to have the best stats. And the past two years have shown us that. I think Garrett Wilson was the best receiver in 21. And that's not just about, I think he was the best receiver of the three. And the NFL draft showed that. And what he did in the NFL last year with that mess of a quarterback situation in New York also showed that. Now, it's not like Chris had much better, but at least he had one consistent guy after they replaced Jameis. But teams decided, no Garrett, no Chris. So the offense went, okay, we're going to give it to Jackson Smith to Jigba. I think the same would have been true last year. We, I think last year we went a little too far with, even when we did the, can Jackson Smith the Jigba have the 2,000 yards thing? Looking back on it now, I think it was a little too far because we were basing it off of how the Rose Bowl game played out after Marvin and Emeka had basically not played all year and Julian had basically not played all year. So, of course, they were just going to force feed the ball to Jackson Smith the Jigba in that game where Utah was also playing running backs as cornerbacks. But giving them a full offseason – I think Jackson would have maybe, I mean, he probably would have had like 15 or 16, and maybe he'd have broke his own record again. But Marvin Harrison Jr. showed us last year he would have definitely been a thousand yard receiver, regardless of with whether or not Jackson Smith the Jig was healthy. And I think Omeka would have at least had 800 yards with what he showed us last year had Jackson Smith the Jig been healthy, because that's how this offense works. Now, this year it's going to be the same thing. Teams are going to try to find ways to take away Marvin Harrison. Because you have to. You can't allow him to just go one-on-one on the backside, which is why they're thinking about moving him in the slot and putting him all over the field. But at the same time, if you're going to take away Marvin Harrison Jr., then Emeka Ibuka is just going to have those yards. Or Julian Fleming might just have those yards. Or, heck, Cardinal Tate might have some of those yards. You know, the running backs might get some of those yards. So they don't have to rely solely on force-feeding their best wide receiver weapon the same way that there's three. There's been nine wide receivers who have been Heisman Trophy finalists, and three of them have won it. And in those three cases, they had to force feed that wide receiver because there was no other option. Ohio State doesn't have to do that. 
This is from our friend Joe in Tennessee. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. will have a good year, but the ball will be spread around so much that our quarterback will get the gaudy stats. Not outside the realm of 2,000-yard receivers, Henderson, Trevin Henderson, will have 1,500 yards from scrimmage, and Mayan Williams will have 800. Both will be heavy in screen and short passing game. There will be a bunch of good to great performances by the skill players, and the quarterback will get all the recognition. And I think, again, it's such a quarterback award that the the demand for statistical, like overwhelming case from a receiver, I think does make it tough. Schedule-wise, I don't know that I think the schedule is like a major factor here. I think Mm -hmm. that some of those same things apply as far as like you're going to be in the spotlight, et cetera, et cetera. But the other factor of like getting the credit for being the guy who beats teams and knocking off the other candidates head to head, the first one doesn't apply as much for receivers as it does for a quarterback under almost any circumstances. And the second one will not really apply because there aren't other receiver candidates right now, really, anywhere, let alone in the Big Ten. So I would, I guess, say, I would say that yes, it, I guess I would vote yes on schedule because I don't think it hurts him in any way. I don't think it hinders his candidacy, but I also think it's maybe the, the least important factor for a receiver. I think I agree with that because even with this guy, it's like the Penn State game will be interesting because it's like Kalen King against Marvin Harrison Jr. I think that's interesting. Iowa's not on the regular season schedule, so they don't get that, but maybe they get him in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, Will Johnson against Marvin Harrison Jr. will be interesting. But even the Penn State game last year was interesting because you had Joey Porter against Marvin Harrison Jr. But that almost became a sideshow. Because of what JT was doing on the other side of the ball, so it's it's the schedule. I agree, it doesn't hurt him, but it doesn't really help him either because it's just a normal. Oh, this is a really good cornerback, and Marvin Harrison is the best receiver in college football. Let's see how he fares. So, narrative does the story that he can write help him get to New York this season? Do you vote yes or no for that? No, and the only because the only reason it does is if. Mecca Buka gets abducted by aliens. Right, which is, you're saying that, I mean, that's that was kind of the precluding way that Devonta Smith won the award yes. in 2020 was, um, you know, you take the other best receiver off the field for an entire mm-hmm. season, and that opens the door for you to have a, a monster year. I, I agree that that might be a thing that would have to happen in order for him to have the sort of stats necessary. Although, again, that didn't happen last year when you took Jackson Smith and Jigba off the field. Like, it, it didn't result in a receiver having a monster season. They both had really, really, really good seasons. I mean, mm. All-America seasons in the case of Harrison and, and maybe even a worthy one for Ibuka. I think I would vote yes because there is a path, and I'm not saying it's the path that will happen, and it's certainly not the only way this season can unfold. I think there is already some opinion that if you were to just ask around, like, who is the best pound-for-pound football player in college football this year? It might still be Caleb Williams that wins that poll right now, but I think Marvin Harrison Jr. would rank really high there, and that's a different thing people vote for than the Heisman Trophy. As Doug said very early in my tenure here when we were debating about Heisman Trophy things, that it doesn't really, it's not about how good you are, it's about how Heisman-y you are, and that I think is is still a I, I, I keep that in mind as I'm doing these exercises. But 
I think there's a path here where if people don't want to vote for Caleb Williams, if he doesn't live up to that hype to try to win it for a second year, and if there's no consensus quarterback, so kind of almost like what happened last year with Caleb Williams, where he didn't really lock it up until, you know, Ohio State loses to Michigan, and then he has a chance to to have, you know, one more game in the spotlight or whatever. I think that's where the door is open for him to sneak through as the guy that people just say, you know, there is no quarterback who who claimed this this year definitively, so it should go to the guy who is the best all-around player. And if he has a statistical season similar and especially better than last season, I think that would be enough to win it. Um, so I think there's, there is a path there. Um, he has name recognition. I don't know if I think that works for or against him at this point. Because, as I said before, the underdog factor is a big part of winning the narrative. And I don't think people think of Marvin Harrison Jr. as an underdog in, like, any capacity at this stage. It's like you're not yeah. – you weren't an underdog in life. You're not an underdog on the field. You're not an underdog at the shoe store. Like, you are not an underdog in any way. Even though you're 12th on the, the voting here, that's still really high for a receiver. But I would still, I'm still going to be a, a hesitant yes vote on that. He could build a narrative that ultimately helps his support to get to New York. So he's who we're having the conversation about that we had with Will Anderson last year of like, there's no quarterback. So who do you, maybe you go to the best overall player. And I'm with you there. Um, I think, no, I, I think it's a good thing he's not an underdog. I think if you're not going to be a quarterback, you need to be Goliath because you need the name recognition to get you through the year. Even with Chase getting there, we knew who Chase was. We knew he was probably a top 10 pick already. And then he was just, he just took that to the next extreme in 2019. The problem this year is Will Anderson, there was nobody else we would throw in that conversation with Will Anderson a year ago. It was just, is it going to be a quarterback or is it going to be Will Anderson? Marvin's not the only one this year. I think that might, some of that might go to Brock Bowers over Marvin Harrison Jr. Because Mm. He's going to have 1,000 yards as a tight end. They use him. They rely, they're going to rely on him in Georgia a lot more than Ohio State has to rely on Marvin Harrison Jr. on a week-by-week basis. They use him in the pass game. They, he runs jet sweeps for touchdowns. You know, he just kind of – they're also going to have a brand-new starting quarterback, so they might f- try to force-feed it to him eight, nine times a game because they have to because he's closest to the ball. So I just think that – Brock Bowers doesn't have an Emeka Ibuka because Darnell Washington is now in the NFL. And he also is in a situation that it just feels like he's going to be able to have the numbers because they have no choice but to give him the numbers if Georgia's offense is going to be successful as the rest of those pieces come along. So I think that might coalesce around him first. And a lot of sites are putting out their top 50, top 100 players in college football right now. I've habitually seen this order, Caleb Williams one, Brock Bowers two, Marvin Harrison three, and um, uh, North Carolina's quarterback, uh, Drake May. Yeah. Drake May four. Yeah, so they are, it, there's already a consensus that Brock Bowers is the best non-quarterback in college football. So I don't know what Marvin Harrison does statistically or even on the field to change that in a world where he can just be himself again while Brock Bowers has to kind of be Superman. What you're saying actually makes me reconsider my no vote on offensive system a little bit, though, because we're basing it on what the what this system has been without factoring in how much they want to 
prioritize Marvin Harrison Jr. And as much as there are all these other weapons, what did Brian Day say multiple times last year that when Jackson Smith and Jigba got hurt, it took off the field a lot of things that they had planned to yeah. get him the ball, to showcase him. Not showcase him for the award, but to make him the central piece of this offense. And what have we been talking about all spring and into the preseason, Marvin Harrison Jr. lining up in the slot as much as he is. How much are they going to do that during the season? How much are they going to move him around and get just like kind of back-breaking matchups against defenses at times? That's definitely something that needs to be considered. I'm, I'm still voting no there, but it actually made me reconsider that vote the way you're talking about Brock Bowers. Because you're right, he is prioritized in that offense in a way that maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't last year. It doesn't mean he won't be this year. And another thing I want to mention on narrative, and this is actually a friend, Alex and Cincy, uh, texted back at us uh, when he was talking about why he thinks Marvin Anderson Jr. has a chance to win the Heisman. And he says, not to mention the power of Joel Klatt, LMAO. During mm. Chase Young's run for Heisman, Joel and Gus Johnson were constantly calling him the best player in college football. I believe that helped his Heisman campaign. We already know that Joel Klatt loves Marvin Anderson Jr. almost as much as Doug Lee Maurice loves Joel Klatt. Almost. Not like you know, um, restraining order level yet, but close. And so I think that is also a factor. Like, I don't know how many times Joel Klatt will be on the call for Ohio State games, but uh, through his various other outlets, and he's already out there pumping up Marvin Harrison Jr. as this all-around talent and uh, future NFL star. And every time he has one of those performances, that's going to kind of keep echoing back there. That's true. I didn't think of the Joel Klatt part of this. Where I did not have Joel Klatt as a fifth factor, but perhaps I think he it, yeah. he's he's the uh, the 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 miscellaneous factor when it comes to Marvin Harrison Jr. Because that dude basically said in five years he's going to be the best receiver in football. Which I don't know if it's crazy, but it's out there. There's a lot of really good receivers in college in NFL right now. So, but uh, your point taken. We got to see it first because all this is cool, but. I think not having a Mecca and Julian in the spring while also trying to bring other guys along allowed them to experiment with Marvin Harrison Jr. a little bit. And they might have all the stuff, and then they get to the game, and it's like, yeah, that corner outside can't cover Marvin Harrison Jr. We're just going to keep him at X. So I got to see it. So we're talking about the chances of, a, of Marvin Harrison being a finalist, basically, getting to New York, which is top four now. They've, they've sort of standardized that. It's the top four vote-getters. Since 2018, how many wide receivers have finished in the top 10 of the Heisman Trophy voting? So the past five top votes, 10. how many? That's 50, 50 players, top 10, past five years. How many receivers? Well, Devontae won it. I would say, because I would assume an LSU guy snuck in there in 2019. I'll say f- four. And that might be high. It is high. Devontae Smith won in 2020. That's it. Now, oh. it's like one and a half. Kyle Pitts was also 10th that year. Yeah. But there have been at least two running backs as finalists in the each of the past five years. And there were four in 2019, which was Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Chuba Hubbard, and Travis Etienne. There were three the year before that. So what is that? 13. No. Yeah, 13 in the past five years from running backs compared to one and a half if you count Kyle Pitts as essentially a receiver who was masquerading as a tight end at, at Florida. So is Trevin Henderson a more realistic Heisman finalist than Marvin Harrison Jr. based on that historical precedent? Yes. 
especially if Ohio State's defense is good and the quarterback isn't ready to throw the ball 30-plus times a game like C.J. Stroud was in 21. And they just rely on the run game to put away some of the, especially against better opponents. If Travion Henderson is healthy, he's getting the ball. That is where I'm at with it. With the way Ryan Day keeps talking about Travion Henderson, when he gets asked about running back depth, that's where I'm at. If it's a good game, big game, and he's healthy, he's getting the ball 20-plus times. So that's Penn State, that's Notre Dame, that's Wisconsin, that's maybe Michigan, and then one more random Big Ten team that's always good, maybe Maryland. That's at least five games on the schedule where I think Travion's going to get it 20-plus times. And if he's healthy and he's explosive, I mean, I don't know if he can get it over the quarterback the similar way we didn't see J.K. Dobbins, who was had 2,000 y- yards, not get it over Justin Fields. But also, I think, I mean, Chase being Chase hurt, hurt that too. But I do think he has a better case than anybody who's not a quarterback at Ohio State because they just might lean on him as long as he's healthy. Right now, Trevian Henderson is 25th in those That's Heisman really Trophy good. odds that I mentioned before. It's somewhere around like plus 6,000. So again, you're getting like 6 to 1 on your money. Um, that's intriguing. It's it's intriguing because he will, I think you're right, be the featured back in a very explosive offense. And from us who are around the team more, we're seeing him start to be discussed as having taken that step up to another level and maybe is poised for having a, a, a different kind of season. Certainly better than he had last year when he had to get through injuries and everything. So let's real quick, I want to do this quickly, the, the, the four factors, maybe just like a yes, no, and like one sentence. Does Trevin Henderson have the talent to get to New York? Yes. I would vote, oh, I don't want to say he doesn't have the talent. I have not seen that talent. But it would take to be a top four Heisman Trophy finisher in, uh, because the other thing about those running backs is, yes, there have been 13 in the past five years. None of them finished higher than fifth. That was Najee Harris in 2020 mm-hmm. and Jonathan Taylor in 2019. He and Dobbins were fifth and sixth. Najee Harris and Brees Hall were fifth and sixth in 2020. But it's usually like seventh, ninth, tenth. And I think that is definitely on the table for Trevion Henderson. I don't know that I think, does he have the combination of explosiveness and ruggedness that it takes and durability to get through a full season? I would be a... I'd be a slight no vote on that only because I haven't seen it, but I'm not saying that it definitely isn't there. I just haven't seen it yet. Can Offensive I, can I change, yeah, can yeah, I change my answer then? I think if we're throwing in like the durability and stuff like that into it, then I'm changing my answer to no as well. I don't know where else to, to put your, that. I think that's where it would have yeah. to go. That health is, yeah. is a skill in its own right. doesn't mean yeah. it's that guy's fault if he gets hurt, but it's a skill, man. Right. It is. Uh, offensive system. I'm going to vote yes here because especially because I think that Ohio state is going to potentially run the ball a lot in 2023. This is the hardest one of the four categories you're having <laughs> because it, it really is. Cause it's like, yes. I mean, we did a whole pod about how often Ohio state runs versus passes and every year they run it more than they throw it. Even the, the Dwayne Haskins year, but I'll say yes. Cause I, I mean, I just said it before, if he's healthy, he's getting the ball. So that that eliminates the idea of, oh, maybe they'll use the depth. No, if he's healthy, they're giving him the ball. And I agree. I think they're going to run the ball a little bit more than they did C.J. Stroud's first year. One, because the defense is just going to be better. But then also, I don't know. 
they said it. 54 passes against Oregon was way too much for Ohio State. And that's starting quarterback in, in the second game of his career. So I'll say yes as well. But I don't know if I'm as firm with that yes as I should be. Schedule. Is that a factor in his favor or against? Definitely in his favor. Because it's a good combination of games where they can just give him the ball and put it away. I think having Braylon Allen on the schedule, as the uh, have, I think having Wisconsin, having Penn State, and having Michigan on the schedule, because that's where the other three teams, those are the other three teams who have running backs in this conversation for best running back in the Big Ten, maybe in the country are. So if he, if he can thing. outplay, yeah, if he can outplay Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, Braylon Allen, when he gets on the field with those guys, that only helps it. That don't, not only does this help his like. Maybe he wins the Doak Walker Award conversation, but it might help this conversation too if at least two of those guys are in the Heisman conversation the way Corm was at the end of last season. I would vote yes on schedule also, and it's because of that head-to-head comparison, uh, just as I made it for the quarterbacks. And I think it's maybe even more true of Henderson. If you're a true candidate and you run through those three teams and you're clearly better in, in all of those cases, then... I think that really helps your candidacy. Certainly, to to even just get to New York to be in that top four, I think he would. I think he would also. He would. That's the only way he gets to New York is if you if you're yeah. going head to head against those guys and you look like the better guy. Because Blake Horn was seventh last year. He's already a known quantity. People are expecting good things from him. Like it. Some of these guys are already. You know, Kenneth Walker finished sixth in this in 2021. So as mm-hmm. rugged as the Big Ten is, it doesn't hold you back from being able to get there. And the last one is narrative. I think the narrative for him is is very strong. Like he's off the radar now. It would be this guy coming back from injury, coming back from this relationship, this tough relationship that had kind of developed with him and the coaching staff for a little bit, and how they all came back together, and he became the best version of himself. And because it's a first-year quarterback, and we don't know exactly what that's going to look like, you emerge as the running game answer that, puts his team on your back at times and and rolls along. I mean, especially with an offensive line that's that's still coming together. Like, do you succeed in spite of that? Um, at least at least in terms of the narrative, right? Whether that's true or not. It's all about how people spin it and how it looks. So I would vote yes on narrative for Trevin Henderson. I think he already has the strongest narrative of any of Ohio State realistic candidates because at quarterback is can you come in and do the same thing that the other quarterbacks were already doing? Just be status quo. For Marvin Harrison Jr., it's like, can you do what you did last year, but also with a new starting quarterback? While with Trayvon, it is a legit story, legitimate story and art story arc of Trayvon Henderson's career of five-star recruit who started living up to it as a freshman, and then he had a fall off in year two, and now he's back to redeem himself almost in year three, but also you know, maybe, as you said, be the best version of himself. And what better way to cap that off than by getting to New York? Before we go to mark it down, I want to include this from our friend Heath in Botkins, Ohio. I want to preface this by saying I have a Marvin Harrison Jr. bet to win the Heisman at plus 5,000. So he got in early. That was a good number to get. Good for you. (laughs) But in order for a receiver to win the Heisman, I truly believe you need the receiver to ball out with two different quarterbacks and ball out more the second season. Okay, I see what he's saying. Like you have to mm-hmm. he had to not only have had the great year last year, now you've got to repeat it with a completely different quarterback, like learning, you know, and even if it's common core and they have that background, I get what he's saying there. However, it is set up for him to do that this year. 
However, I am believing Ryan Day is glowing about Trey Henderson. I'm not uncertain a healthy Henderson isn't the best Ohio State candidate to lift the trophy. This doesn't make sense, but because Henderson isn't considered the best running back in the league, I believe Harrison can win the trophy while Harrison, while Henderson cannot. But Henderson more is more likely to get an invite. I feel like this team will be more running than we've ever seen. I don't know if it'll be more running than we've ever seen. Is you know the wishbone. They ran it a lot. <laughs> in 2019, they ran it a whole lot too, and I don't know that they're going to run it. I don't. I don't think he's going to have J.K. Dobbins carries. I just don't. No. And I think you probably need you either going to either they would have to give him the ball more just by running it, or you've got to turn him into more of a weapon out of the backfield as a receiver, like I, in a way that like Travis Etienne was right. And Travis Etienne was a guy mm-hmm. who I think twice finished in the top ten of the Heisman voting. But to so I I I would buy on Trevion Henderson's ability to finish in the top ten. And even though I think the factors are there, I think I would vote, I would be, uh, I would sell his up, his chances of finishing in the top four. But I could I be think, dissuaded, and, and I want to see what he looks like in these early games. I think that's right. I think that's a fair place to be right now. I think it's counterproductive to give him J.K. Dobbins-like carries. It doesn't help you. It hurts you. Because yeah. he's not going to make it to the end of the year. He's, he's just not. He's, it's not going to happen. That's why I keep saying that I don't think he, he'll have J.K. Dobbins like usage in the run game, but I think he can have a J.K. Dobbins like impact. Those are two very different things. I think if he gets it 230 times, which is really only delegating the big games to the times he has 20 plus carries, I think he can be a 6.5, 6.8 yards per carry type of guy for you. But you don't need to give him it more than that. But also to your point, if he, I think there's 280 touches out there for Travion Henderson this year. Maybe 250 of them max are in the running game, but then maybe you get another 25 to 30 in the passing game. And it's similar uses to what we saw his freshman year. It's just a little bit more because he's older and it's a new starting quarterback. And he just makes the most of those touches, whether it's in the passing game or the running game. And I didn't put him in my three. I don't think he gets there. I think he can be fifth, though. I think that fifth spot and sixth spot is where like the running backs have kind of capped out at over the last couple of years here. And I think he can get to there. I think his ceiling is he finishes fifth and first among people who didn't get to New York. That Yeah, fifth is as high as a running back has finished in the past five years. So um, again, like I was saying, a lot of sevenths, ninths, tenths. So we'll see if he can snag one of those spots. We are going to come back from this break and we are going to mark down who we voted our top three preseason Heisman candidates are, or I guess predicting the top three in the postseason finish is a better way to say that. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. All right, it's time to mark it down. Steven, why don't we start at the number three player on your ballot? Who are you picking on your preseason, postseason Heisman Trophy ballot? I came down to four, pe- to four different people for mine, and Drake May was the one who didn't make it for me. I think the NFL intrigue is is great, but he's at North Carolina, and I just don't think he's going to be able to do enough at North Carolina to be a real Heisman Trophy candidate over some of these other guys. When you look at their schedule and you look at some other things, I, and I'm not all the way sure that people are going to be 100% down on him being the best quarterback in the ACC because Kay Klubnick at Clemson looked pretty good last year when they finally went to him. So I, that one, I had to leave him off. So I went Caleb Williams at my third spot which I think is impressive because since Tim Tebow won the Heisman in 2007, 
and then finished third the following year. The only other winner to get back to New York is Lamar Jackson when he won it in 16 and then finished in third in 2017, which is why I picked Caleb Williams third. The other people, Johnny Manziel won it in 2012, never went back. Samus Winston, 2013, didn't go back. Bryce Young, 21, didn't go back. So that leaves Caleb Williams. I think that Caleb Williams is fighting against himself. Well, also, USC's defense is run by Alex Grinch. So he's fighting against himself while also being in situations where he might have to win a game 45 to 42 because Alex Grinch keeps giving up stuff on defense that allows him to keep having those those Heisman moments that we saw last year. But it's not impressive enough that people want to put him first or second. So I came in with him as third to go along with what Lamar Jackson and Tim Tebow did before him. It's going to be interesting. I think we're I think our ballots might be pretty similar. Uh, I was also considering really (laughs) four people. Drake may did make my ballot at number three from North Carolina. I think it could be a similar situation to a a very Kenny Pickett kind of candidacy. If you go back to Mm. 2021, another ACC quarterback. And I was looking at the numbers because we often talk about these quarterbacks as, are they going to get to put up the kind of yards and touchdowns it takes to win this award? which is important because the the counting stats are important. However, and I know I sound like a broken record, but it's not just the accumulation or this like vague playmaking thing. Like you have to be efficient too. And the numbers of the voting bear that out last year, Caleb Williams was sixth in the nation in efficiency at 168.54. Bryce Young was seventh year before 167.52. And in the three years, the three quarterbacks who won it before that Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, they were all either first or second, and May- Murray was just barely behind Tua in 2018 for being first, and they were all up around in that 198, 199, 200 range. So, like, monster efficiencies. So, mm-hmm. slight back off of it these last couple of years, but you still have to be one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country. It can't be a bunch of yards and a bunch of touchdowns that come with just a bunch of attempts and uh, a low yards per attempt sort of thing. Like it's, it's still got to be, uh, I think what, what people think of a modern quarterback being, and it helps if you can go out and make plays with your feet too. So the reason I'm picking may though, is I think he is coming from a pretty solid baseline. He's already got, as you said, some believers out there in him. So he's on the radar of people, you know, expecting they're not gonna be caught by surprise when he has a good season. And his efficiency last year, I think it's easier for me to visualize it taking that next step. And I was looking at the Tishu uh, schedule prediction things, and North Carolina's strength of schedule is not Mm-mm. great. And But because of that, I think it gives him a chance to be in the ACC championship game, which I think is important to like get back on that field. And whether you win that game or not, that what you want to have that weekend to give voters that lasting impression. So that was one of my tiebreakers. Uh, I think they probably, I think they have a chance to get to the ACC championship game, play either Clemson or or Florida State, and that could be the thing that that puts him over the top. It wasn't, I didn't have a great conviction of him third, but I found enough tiebreakers to put him third on my list. And then I had Caleb Williams second on my list. And everything you're saying is correct. It's just very hard right now to look at the guy who, as I look at what Heisman criteria are, whether that is that high level of quarterback efficiency and the prolific production and sort of that electric, hard-to-define factor, 
he's already done all of those things. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to, when you also put on top of that, that right now, there's like five, at least, teams that I would say have a chance to win the Pac-12 this year. I think it's pretty wide open, and there's some really good teams in that league. But USC was probably favored by most people to do that. Yeah. And the fact that they get to, you know, be on display in a slightly different way with the fact that he, you know, his his star power puts them on display. They're going to get the game against Notre Dame. That that also helps. It's just, I, there's enough there for me. And at the end of the day, it's just that he's super good. I just have a hard time picking him to be the repeat winner because that has been just such a rare thing. And I have enough. He is almost in a place where the schedule, maybe the schedule doesn't help him because it's so good that yes, you're going to be in on the stage, but there's so many more potential losses waiting out there for him. And if somebody else emerges as the clear candidate this year, that's going to be, which didn't happen last year, then that's going to be enough to trip up your campaign. So since you've already revealed your second, I'll reveal my second. Um, I said Kyle McCord because we already marked down who we think the starting quarterback is going to be, and we picked Kyle McCord. So I can't say Kyle McCord is going to be the starter, but Devin Brown is going to win the Heisman. Though I could because we marked down the first day starters. We didn't technically mark down the starters for the whole season. But I'm not going to be that person well, to be that different. I can guarantee you right now that Devin Brown and Kyle McCord will not finish first and second. In, oh, that's not what you're saying. You're saying no, that no, you no, can no, mark yeah, down yeah, yeah. Devin Brown. Yes. Too. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But I'm, yeah. <laughs> first of all, if they finish first and second, something, well, I don't, that's a different world. That's a video game type thing. I picked Kyle McCord, and we, we mapped it out in the first segment. I think that Ohio State first-year quarterbacks – their stats are very, very good a lot of the times, and they've gotten there. Even if they're not always the driving engine, they're going to accumulate the stats. And then it just comes down to, can you do enough to move up your standing? And you, you mapped it out. Like Justin Fields finished third. C.J. Stroud finished fourth, I believe, in 21, and then he finished fourth again last season. Because it, it almost feels like with those guys, especially C.J. Stroud the last two years, he was going to finish first or he was going to finish fourth because of the game he lost. I think that I don't think the Michigan game can get Kyle McCord over the top to win it. And it's because of the guy I picked to win it. But I do think that if Ohio state goes undefeated through this season, the quarterback finishes higher than fourth in the, in the highest trophy race this time around with those stats and with enough games on the schedule that makes you feel like, okay, this guy's actually really good. It's not just, he's got a bunch of weapons around him. So I'll pick Kyle McCord second. And I had McCord as the fourth person that I was considering here. Mm-hmm. I was going to put just like whoever wins Ohio State's battle finishing fourth. And if you had held my feet to the fire on that, I would have said the same as you, that McCord is who I had predicted would win the job. And I haven't been pushed completely off of that uh, as this quarterback battle has drawn on. So that was who I had fourth. I just have enough. And that still would get him to, as a finalist. Um mm-hmm. I just have enough concerns right now. Again, like that vibe that I was talking about before, I'm not quite hearing it the same way as I did with Stroud. It doesn't mean that they can't, whoever wins this job can't be incredibly prolific in this offense, put up a bunch of yards and that this team can win games and maybe even win the whole thing. But as far as having the, the special qualities to separate into a Heisman trophy candidacy, I'm not 
I just don't have that vibe yet. And sometimes this could be a thing where maybe we're too close to it. Um, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a fine line sometimes when you cover a team between being considered a homer and being someone who, because you're close and you see little flaws, you exaggerate the flaws. Mm-hmm. And I would say that picking Kyle McCord as a Heisman Trophy finalist or not picking him as a Heisman Trophy finalist could be both. Could, both of those things could be true if depending on how you're voting, or they could, or it could be the opposite. Like it's 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 a very tough thing to try to pin down right now. But I'm not getting that same vibe, and I, it might be that there are just two guys who are so close that it's hard for. I just remember. In preseason camp in 2021, you you would talk to receivers. We have not talked to the receivers yet. That's happening on Monday. At least that's what's scheduled to happen on Monday. So after you listen to this Monday morning, we are then going to go talk to the receivers. And if we do get them on Monday, it's going to be a bunch of questions about how the quarterbacks looked in the scrimmage. So I predict mm-hmm. that maybe we don't talk to they're the receivers on Monday. But maybe we get Ryan they're definitely going to change that. <laughs> so, uh, but maybe they will at that point talk about these guys the way we started to hear people talk about CJ Stroud in preseason 2021, but I I'm just not here. I'm just not getting that same click yet. I think you make a good point with the word too close to it. I think we're looking at these, these, this quarterback battles, whether it's this one, the CJ Stroud one, we're looking at it the same way. Ryan day looks at it because he's also too close to it. He's even closer, right? We're at the window with our heads up against the window, seeing everything from the outside Ryan Day is sitting on the couch talking to these quarterbacks. And so it does. It's it's hard when we do this because you don't want to pick the Ohio State quarterback because you don't want to seem like a homer by just picking the Ohio State quarterback. But you also don't want to not pick the Ohio State quarterback so you don't seem like a homer. So it, there's a mixture there. And I think that's where – I think Kyle McCord or Devin or whoever wins this quarterback job – has as good as a chance to win the Heisman Trophy as C.J. Stroud did in 21, as Justin Fields did in 19. I think they actually might have a better chance because the defense might be better, but also the schedule is more favorable, but not too favorable like it was with Justin Fields. It's right there in the middle where you don't have to start off on the road on a Thursday night in the rain with a, a good, big, experienced Big Ten team then go play Oregon the next week you get to have a build up the way Justin Fields did well also I think Notre Dame this year is better than what Nebraska was in 2019 so it's a yeah. just more favorable situation for for this quarterback than it was the last two quarterbacks I think this is a tougher schedule overall but I think it sets up for the quarterback to grow into the job yeah. better than it did for and, and Ryan Day has multiple times and we've only talked to him a couple times in preseason camp but the word Oregon keeps coming up a lot and I'm going to be writing mm-hmm. something about that for next week about how he that game and for a first year quarterback, how that has sort of changed his perspective, I think, on how this team needs to kind of converge around the starting quarterback and support the starting quarterback, what it needs to do on the field to do that. I mean, he, he's brought it up now multiple times, whether it's the running game, whether it's asking him to do too much and, and, and not having the defense ready to go. Like it's it's a fa- it's a it's a it's a talking point for Ryan Day right now. So, you already kind of mm-hmm. hinted at it. Who's number one on your list? I think it's one of two players. <laughs> Who do you think it is first, before I tell you? Well, I think it's either, you already mentioned it being this related to the Michigan game, right? So, you're picking between Blake Corm and J.J. McCarthy, and I think because it's a quarterback award, Mm-mm. I... No? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. 
I had Quorum was six for me. I don't have JJ McCarthy in this conversation. I went completely off the rails here. Okay. And I it's because you, I kept convincing my no, no, no. You're right though. I, I Blake Quorum is my highest guy for the Mich- from a Michigan standpoint. I just I'm not. I don't know how much more they're going to ask JJ McCarthy to do this year, even if Jim Harbaugh keeps talking about him like he's Patrick Mahomes and you know all these great core. I don't know if he's going to do enough statistically, and also I don't think right. he's going to. I don't think Michigan's going to catch Ohio State off guard again by throwing it more than we all thought they would. Right. So just, just in that to clarify, game, though, you when you were talking about Kyle McCord, you said something about in relation to the Michigan game. What did I miss here? There, you no, said no, no. That it was... I was no, no, no. I, I think I think I was just saying that I think it come for for the Ohio State quarterback to win it, he okay. has to be win the Michigan game. That's all I was saying. Gotcha. Okay, right, right. So my winner is Quinn Ewers, and let me tell you why. Ooh, is Quinn boy. Ewers good? Yeah, yeah, it's hot. It's hot. It's coming in hot. It's Quinn coming Ewers in hot. has to. It's he has to go to Alabama week two, and what if something has clicked? For a guy who was a former perfectly rated quarterback, big deal. We made an entire super team 2023 pod focused around this kid who was here for six months and had two snaps as a Buckeye. What if it clicked? He's cut the mullet off. I was reading around. I'm just trying to get a feel for other quarterbacks because it's, it's hard. I, I'm not really sure. I think there's a long list of guys who are the third best quarterback coming into this season. And so you're trying to get a feel for all these guys. I checked in on Jim Daniels, and it sounds like something has clicked for Quinn Ewers. And the offense, now that Bijan Robinson is gone and they're not going to be Bijan left, Bijan right, he's healthy. What if it clicks? What if he goes into that? What if we come out of that Bama game and he goes into Tuscaloosa in a primetime game on ESPN and just like wipes the floor with Bama? Because Bama's good, but the quarterback situation isn't really as good as we thought it was going to be. Or maybe it's just not that good. And Bama's not the team they used to be, but they're still viewed as a top five team coming into the year. So it's like, whoa, hello, Quinn Ewers. That's the guy we thought you were going to be coming out of high school. And then his schedule isn't great. Going through your criteria, that's not great. Like Kansas State's number sixteen in the preseason. He's got to go to TCU, but it's decent enough to where I think the Bama performance, if it's amazing, is loud enough to carry him to the Big Twelve championship game. If Texas is really a eleven and one style team, and he's kind of awesome, Texas' strength of schedule is tough this year. Actually, um, in Alabama, yeah, Oklahoma is too. I forget part yes. of it. Um, yeah. but it's, it's a, it's not an easy schedule. It's, uh, you know, you got Alabama, uh, Baylor, Kansas, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, Kansas state, you know, a program like BYU is even in there as a non-conference game, uh, TCU, yeah. uh, you know, Iowa state, depending on what you think about them in a given year, it's, it's not an easy schedule. Um, man, that is coming in hot because so it's funny. <laughs> because the criteria that I went to immediately was if that efficiency number. And obviously guys can improve from when you're the next, especially when you're a redshirt freshman and and so young, you had an injury issue. You could mm-hmm. you could make a big jump in that second year. But I do want to point out, last year, Wisconsin's Graham Mertz finished 63rd nationally in quarterback efficiency, 13501. Mm-hmm. And Clemson's DJ Uyagalele, who lost his job, was 64th 
134.97, and Quinn Ewers was 10 spots below that. So yep. <laughs> he will need to make a jump. He will need to be mm-hmm. significantly better than he was last year. He was basically Aiden O'Connell last year from Purdue, who, um, you know, and I think he's I think he's a better football player than than Aiden O'Connell. But it's going to have to be a pretty monster jump. Although I will say Anthony Richardson from Florida last year in that same he, he was ahead of Anthony Richardson from Florida in terms of, of efficiency rating. So, again, it depends on what kind of player you're looking at. And can the system maybe mm-hmm. help lift him up? Can the can the can the talent around him help lift him up? So I think Quinn Ewers is going to be on. He's certainly on the radar already. He's he's fairly high. He's third right now in the odds. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that is is faith in him as a player, and how much of that is. I think when Texas is one of those programs that anytime they have a guy who's like on the candidate radar at all. They kind of jump up there pretty high in those, and the same is usually true of Ohio State. I think you're right. Once Ryan Day names a starting quarterback, that that quarterback's numbers are going to improve. His his odds are going to improve. Well, my number one is not nearly that juicy. It's Jordan Travis from Florida State, and I came to that from it's a couple up of there. ways. It's, it's up it's, there it's on up the juice there. meter. I mean, He's he's fourth in those Heisman odds right now behind yeah. Quinn Ewers, and they're actually pretty close. I mean, the Ewers numbers range from eleven hundred to thirteen hundred, and Jordan Travis's range from twelve hundred to fourteen hundred. So it's just a tick below and just a tick ahead of Clay Klubnick from Clemson. But here are, my, I guess, my deciding factors on Jordan Travis. Number one, again, to go back to those efficiency numbers, he his efficiency numbers were second. Only to Caleb Williams among the guys that we're talking about. Uh, he was, you know, 14th nationally in efficiency rating, 160.11. But there, and, and already, you know, 9.1 yards per attempt. Like you see, the baseline is at a more elite level than some of these other guys that we're talking about. He has done things that are closer to that elite level of performance, uh, the way that we talk about modern quarterbacks, than some of these other guys that we've talked about or some of the, especially some of the guys that we've dismissed and and aren't talking about today that are the other people are. Um, I also think that the narrative is on his side as a guy who can be the one who lifts Florida state back to prominence. And this is one of those programs that we don't talk about them the same way that we talk about Texas or USC in terms of being like dormant monsters, but they're like that next tier down of teams that, have not been able to sustain it since the Bowden era, but there'll be a spike every once in a while. You know, obviously the, the Jameis Winston spike that happened for them. And if you get the right quarterback in place with the kind of talent that's always available to a program like that, I think it's that's on the table for them to 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 have a very nationally relevant year. In fact, I think if people go back to um, the College Football Survivor Show, I think Doug predicted that. Florida will win the national championship this year. So again, that that's that's being pretty bold. I'm not going that far yet. We're doing that next week. But I think Florida State can win the ACC. I think Florida State can be a playoff team. And if it happens, I don't think there's any question who's going to get the full force of credit for that. If Florida State wins the ACC or even just gets in the championship game in a, in a situation like with Caleb Williams last year, I think he's going to be the fresh guy who gets a lot of support behind him on that. And I think it's also, again, good to be on the radar and to be 
there's no skepticism coming into the year that Jordan Travis is a really good football player and a good quarterback, but you don't have to live up to the 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 hype of being yeah. a preseason favorite. You're just one guy who's in the mix among the other consensus best people in the country. So that's why I'm predicting him this year. I don't think we have ever correctly predicted the Heisman Trophy winner on Buckeye not. Talk. We're usually pretty dang wrong about it. But I think it's going to be an interesting race this year because I think there are – I mean, there's guys that we haven't mentioned here. I mean, we um, – um, I can go down the list of, of the other favorites. Me, but, I mean, you know, Jaden Daniels from LSU is is number two in these. You know, Cade Klubnik you mentioned. Michael Penix is, is very highly ranked on these lists because he does put up yards and touchdowns. I'm just less – convinced about him as a as a an overall quarterback jj mccarthy is there sam hartman is there bo nix from oregon is up there uh, so that's that's 10 deep of guys who have done some things at this level or who people have a, a really high opinion of based on just the flashes that they've had and and they play for the kind of program that again if you get one of those top four spots you push your team into one of those top four spots you're gonna have support I think the Jordan Travis one is interesting. What scares me with him is he might lose it before his bye week because he's got to play Jaden Daniels week one on that Sunday game, and then he's going to play Clemson right before their bye week. And so, but not we don't have to have a long conversation. I mean, maybe we don't. What would sting more from an Ohio State perspective? JJ McCarthy winning the Heisman Trophy or Quinn Ewers winning the Heisman Trophy? Uh, J.J. McCarthy winning it because he can only win it by beating Ohio State again. Right. But also, J.J. would have won the Heisman Trophy while being the guy, while potentially the guy that Ryan Day picked over him is currently the start, would be the starting quarterback that year while beating him on the field. But with Quinn, we've always talked about Quinn and his transfer being like, a, all right, well, it, it, it's almost like the Joe Burrow thing where it's the after the fact of how much it hurts you. It's not a good thing, good look that you lost a perfectly rated recruit, but it stings a little less when C.J. Stroud was the number two pick in the NFL draft. But if Quinn turns out to be what people thought he was, that's why I'm thinking of it from that perspective of when you're talking about what both of these guys are almost what could it could have been if Ryan Day had gone that route, whether it was picking J.J. McCarthy as his commit in 21 or just long-term choosing that Quinn Ewers is going to be the starting quarterback here. Now, one of them is more realistic than the other one because Quinn decided to show up here early. But that's why I think it's an interesting question. Because those are two guys who could very easily be Ohio State's starting quarterback heading into the season. And neither one of them are. And they're both within the 10 favorites to win the Heisman Trophy this year. I just I think McCarthy would hurt more because, again, he can only win it. The, the Ewers thing is out of your control. You yeah. can decide whether J.J. McCarthy wins the Heisman Trophy. Just beat sure. him. Just, just, sure. just beat him on the field, and you, yeah. you, he doesn't win the Heisman Trophy. Quinn Ewers is going to be happening without any interaction that you had. And and as we've said before, that really is more like a decommitment than a guy who transferred yeah. out. Like he, he came here for non-football reasons, and he left for whatever reason, you know, reasons that also probably surpassed football. And... I don't know what Ohio State else what else Ohio State could have done there. And it's not like you were wrong about the guy. You were right about the guy. It's why you took the it's why you fought to get him and mm-hmm. and, and recruited him and and got him here and all those things. Um so the McCarthy thing would hurt more because not only is he beating you again and that's the only way he can win the award, but he would be the one that you were 
wrong about sort of in that situation, right? Mm-hmm. He picked someone else over him, and then he came back and beat you two years in a row to and and put a th- and extended the winning streak to three for Michigan. Uh, so if that happens, yeah, I think the JJ McCarthy winning the Heisman would hurt Ohio State fans more. That's an interesting. Maybe I should put that out to the texters. Ooh, I, um, I should put that yeah, out to I, the texters. Yeah, I think that's a good poll. Uh, because uh, I don't know which one they would pick. I think they'd pick McCarthy, though, because the only way he can win it is if he beats Ohio State. And I think he's also less likely to win it because I just, I agree with you. I don't see him, the respect that you get for being a great all-around football player matters at other positions more than it matters at quarterback. I don't think you can get, you can't win the Heisman at quarterback without having some Heisman-y numbers. And I don't know if he's ever going to have Heisman mm-hmm. quarterback numbers. You broke my brain yeah. with that one. I, I don't know who I would. I, I know. I, but I, it's, I think it's got to be McCarthy just because, just because of the fact that you did pick someone else over him and he, he can't only win it by beating you head to head and potentially ruining your season. Like it would yeah. be almost an unfathomable thing, it's, I think, for Ohio State fans to have to watch that. And I guess you could extend that to Blake Corm. I mean, Blake Corm was a, a strong candidate for that award last year. You can imagine if Blake Corm doesn't get hurt last year. He probably wins it. And he beats Ohio State head-to-head with 180 yards or whatever. Um, Maybe Mikhail Williams still wins, but Corm was going to have a strong case. I think think Corm probably wins it, especially since Caleb lost in the Pac-12 championship game because Corm would have won, and he would have probably dominated that game too, so he probably would have won it. I I think I'm with you just because it is more of a direct hit with J.J., then with Quinn, it's like Texas and Ohio State have to both make the playoff for that to matter. And it's going to be the same thing with Dylan Rayola in a couple of years. Like Georgia and Ohio State have to play each other in the playoff for that to be a direct hit. While JJ was going to be a direct hit regardless of who made the playoff and who didn't. So recapping our Heisman Trophy preseason votes, Stephen had Quinn Ewers from Texas, number one, Kyle McCord from OSU, number two, Caleb Williams to... Caleb Williams of USC, number three. By the way, that's three players who at least, who at one point were at least all committed. Or did, did Caleb Williams ever commit to Maryland? I don't think he actually did. I think he was. No. He never actually committed to Maryland, but he was from no. that area and uh, yeah. almost was, was a Maryland Terrapin or could have been a Maryland Terrapin. So Quinn Ewers, one, Common Cord, two, Caleb Williams, three. I had Jordan Travis from Florida State, number one, Caleb Williams, number two, Drake May from North Carolina, number three, and was considering. Ohio State's quarterback at number four outside of that. And I think that, as we said, like all the, almost all of the factors, actually all four of those factors that we read off. So I asked our tech subscribers, I sent out the morning that we were recording this, what I called a flash poll and just a very simple, mostly two yes or no questions and one that involved a little bit more thought. Will the winner of Ohio State's quarterback competition be a Heisman Trophy finalist, top four in the voting this season? Steven, yes or no? What do you think the textures said? Yes. No was the winner. 59% said no. The winner of Ohio State's quarterback competition will not be a Heisman Trophy finalist. Hmm. And I think that if you had asked this question in June, I think the answer would have been yes. But I think the fact that it's August 18th or August, you know, 21st, as people are listening to this, we may or may not still have that identity public. And we don't know who it is. I think that has created some doubt as to whether either of these guys are going to separate there. And I don't know if that's if that lines up logically all the way, but I get where people are coming from on that. 
Second question was, will Marvin Harrison Jr. be a Heisman Trophy finalist finishing in the top four this season? Yes or no? No. 65% say yes. Marvin Harrison what Jr. Is will going be a Heisman on? Trophy finalist. <laughs> and again, maybe that's a, a byproduct of not knowing who the quarterback is. Because if you do, if you have a quarterback who is clearly the dude and he's in place, I think people do assume that maybe the Ohio State quarterback is going to get that vote. But if that isn't going to happen, that's one less guy taking votes away from Marvin Harrison Jr. Now Marvin Harrison Jr. gets to be the showcase guy in the offense. So maybe that's part of the logic people are using there. And here was the one that was a little bit tougher. What is the biggest obstacle for Marvin Harrison Jr. to win the Heisman Trophy in 2023? And I gave four options. Number one, he's not a quarterback. Number two, Ohio State has too many other receiving options and opponents will scheme to limit his touches. Number three, Ohio State will need to rely on the running game and he won't put up the monster numbers necessary. Number four, Ohio State will not have the consistent quarterback play necessary to maximize Harrison's performance. I think the order order of which you read them off is the order of which had the most votes to the least votes. You're almost correct. Uh, he's not a quarterback, was number one, and it was the the majority of people who answered picked that. 57% okay. said he's not a quarterback. That's why he's not going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. But 65% the, also said he's going to win the award? No, 65% said he would be a finalist. Oh, okay, finalist. Top okay. four. Okay. So that's not completely... Um, it's not as crazy anymore. Cool, okay. Yeah, contradictory. So number two on the list, though, was, you're right, OSU has too many other receiving options and opponents will scheme to limit his touches first. 23% said that. And, you know, that's, we didn't really talk about whether Emeka Buka could, like, have some kind of season that steals his spot. I think that's <laughs> unlikely just because Harrison is such a known quantity. But uh, I don't know. I guess that could be, that's not even really how people are voting here, though. It's more just that because Emeka Buka exists, and because Julian Fleming exists, and because yeah. these receivers out of the backfield exist, and because Cade Stover exists, that they're going to spread it around enough that he's not going to be able to do what Devontae Smith did, again, assuming everyone stays healthy. And the third on the list was OSU will not have consistent quarterback play necessary to maximize his performance. 14% saying that. And again, I bet if we had taken this survey in June, that number is considerably lower. I don't think there was the doubt out there at that point. I that has started to creep in over the past week because Ryan Day is saying, well, I'm not seeing the consistency. And that's the word that I used here. And he's using it in a different context, but I think that is scaring people off a little bit and probably creating some doubt. I get it. It's just, I think we have reached a point with the quarterback play where you probably are better off assuming it's going to be good and being shocked if it isn't than the other way around. Because you're three only, quarterbacks in who were first-round draft picks. Yeah. And only 5% said that the reliance on the running game will somehow inhibit Marvin Harrison mm-hmm. Jr. to win the Heisman Trophy. As I watch this team and, and talk about this team more, I, I am becoming more and more convinced that we're going to see a, a greater emphasis on the run, but probably, again, not to the 2019 extent, as we discussed. Same. I don't think they'll force it like they did last year. I just think it'll be better so they'll... How close, how strongly did you consider Marvin Harrison Jr.? I didn't really consider him that strongly just because what what I said before, like it's so impossible for receivers to even be in the top 10 of the voting, let alone to win the whole thing. Yeah. So the rest of my list was Javion Henderson, uh, Jordan Travis, uh, 
Jake May was fourth, obviously. Uh, Kay Klubnick, uh, Jaden Daniels, uh, J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum. And so not really with Marvin. It's just – and I would, I would assume maybe he finishes top 10 because the recognition is there. And he's going to do some awesome stuff this year. He's going to have at least 1,200 yards and at least 14 touchdowns. So I would assume that he gets enough that maybe he's in the top 10. Maybe he's 11th. But I don't – it's just not going to be – it's not there. It's, it's not the same case that you would be able to make for wide receivers in the past. Because even when guys like Amari Cooper was a finalist back in 14, it was like Alabama's the best team in the country, and it's clearly not because of their quarterback. I, that's I don't think that's not that's not going to be on the case for Mar. That's not going to be on the plate for Marvin Harris in the same way it has been for other people in the past. It, yeah, I mean the, the the case for Smith unfolded in a way that you would not have you could not before the season you would not have said what's the thing? How can the season play out in a way that's good for Alabama and he wins the national championship mm-hmm. or and he wins the Heisman Trophy? Now, as it turns out, that team was still just so loaded that it won the national championship even without Waddle, but it's a way that Marvin Harrison Jr. could win the Heisman Trophy, and it's also good for Ohio State. Like, there would mm-hmm. probably have to be some unexpected things that are involved there that are not necessarily in, in Ohio State's favor. It's just, it's just. I mean, there's been one one receiver in, in five years has even been in the top ten of the voting. Mm-hmm. It's it's not. It has nothing to do with Marvin Harrison Jr. It has everything to do with that Tommy Lee Jones thing I was talking about before that I just, I think too many people just go straight to the quarterbacks and that squeezes out a lot of guys, but we'll see. We'll be following this obviously as the season goes along, how the candidacy looks for whoever the quarterback is. Trevon Henderson, Marvin Harrison Jr. We'll see if any of them are making a push. One more market down Monday next week, but we'll still be talking about Ohio state preseason camp this week. Probably going to get an answer on the quarterback decision. We think, we're going to talk to receivers this week. We're going to find out a little bit more about the kicker competition that's going on from uh, Parker Fleming and those guys early this week. And then before you know it, preseason camp is done and we're getting ready for Ohio State to play Indiana. So for Stephen Means, I'm Nathan Baird, and that was Buckeye Talk.